0: Chapter 50 of Philip Drew, Administrator, by Edward House. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by the Progressing America Project. Chapter 50 The Broadening of the Monroe Doctrine. In spite of repeated warnings from the United States mexico and the central american republics had obstinately continued their old-time habit of revolutions without just cause with the result that they neither had stable governments within themselves nor any hope of peace with each other one revolution followed another in quick succession until neither life nor property was safe england germany and other nations who had citizens and investments there had long protested to the american government and drew knew that one of the purposes of the proposed coalition against the united states had been the assumption of control themselves consequently he took active and drastic steps to bring order out of chaos he had threatened many times to police these countries and he finally prepared to do so. Other affairs of the Drew administration were running smoothly. The army was at a high standard of efficiency, and the country was fully ready for the step when Drew sent 100,000 men to the Rio Grande, and demanded that the American troops be permitted to cross over and subdue the revolutionists and marauding bandits. The answer was a coalition of all the opposing factions and the massing of a large army of defense. The Central American republics also joined Mexico and hurriedly sent troops north. General Drew took personal command of the American forces, crossed the Rio Grande at Laredo, and war was declared. There were a large number of Mexican soldiers at Monterey but they fell back in order to get in touch with the main army below Saltillo. General Drew marched steadily on, but before he came to Saltillo, the Mexican president, who commanded his own army, moved southward in order to give the Central American troops time to reach him. This was accomplished about 50 miles north of the city of Mexico. The Allies had 100,000 men, and the American force numbered 60,000, Drew having left 40,000 at Laredo, Monterrey, and Saltillo. The two armies confronted one another for five days, the Mexican general waiting for the Americans to attack, while General Drew was merely resting his troops and preparing them for battle. In the meantime... He requested a conference with the Mexican commander, and the two met with their staffs midway between the opposing armies. General Drew urged an immediate surrender, and fully explained his plans for occupation, so that it might be known that there was to be no oppression. He pointed out that it had become no longer possible for the United States to ignore the disorder that prevailed in Mexico and those countries south of it, for if the United States had not taken action, Europe would have done so. He expressed regret that a country so favored by God should be so abused by man, for with peace, order, and a just administration of the government, Mexico and her sister republics, he felt sure, would take a high place in the esteem of the world. He also said that he had carefully investigated conditions, knew where the trouble lay, and felt sure that the mass of people would welcome a change from the unbearable existing conditions. The country was then, and had been for centuries, wrongfully governed by a bureaucracy, and he declared his belief that the Mexican people as a whole believed that the Americans would give them a greater measure of freedom and protection than they had ever known before. Drew further told the Mexican general that his army represented about all there was of opposition to America's offer of order and liberty, and he asked him to accept the inevitable, and not sacrifice the lives of the brave men in both commands. The Mexican general heard him with cold but polite silence. You do not understand us, Señor Drew, nor that which we represent. We would rather die or be driven into exile than permit you to arrange our internal affairs as you suggest. There are a few families who have ruled Mexico since the first Spanish occupation, and we will not relinquish our hold until compelled to do so. At times a Juarez or a Diaz has attained to the presidency, but we, the great families, have been the power behind each administration. The peons and canal that you would educate and make our political equals are now where they rightfully belong, and your endeavors in their behalf are misplaced and can have no result except disaster to them. Your great Lincoln emancipated many millions of blacks, and they were afterwards given the franchise and equal rights. But can they exercise that franchise, and have they equal rights? You know they have not. You have placed them in a worse position than they were before. You have opened a door of hope that the laws of nature forbid them to enter. So it would be here. Your theories and your high-flown sentiment do you great credit, but, illustrious senor, read the pages of your own history and do not try to make the same mistake again. Many centuries ago the all-knowing Christ advised the plucking of the mote from thine own eye before attempting to remove it from that of thy brother. To this Drew replied, Your criticism of us is only partly just. We lifted the yoke from the black man's neck, but we went too fast in our zeal for his welfare. However... We have taken him out of a boundless swamp, where under the old conditions he must have wandered for all time without hope, and we have placed his feet upon firm ground, and are leading him with helping hands along the road to opportunity. That, though, Mr. President, is only a part of our mission to you. Our citizens and those of other countries have placed in your republic vast sums for its development, trusting to your treaty guarantees, and they feel much concern over their inability to operate their properties, not only to the advantage of your people, but to those to whom they belong. We of Western Europe and the United States have our own theories as to the functions of government, theories that perhaps you fail to appreciate, but we feel we must not only observe them ourselves, but try and persuade others to do likewise. One of these ideas is the maintenance of order, so that when our hospitable neighbors visit us, they may feel as to their persons and property, as safe as if they were at home. I am afraid our views are wide apart, concluded Drew, and I say it with deep regret, for I wish we might arrive at an understanding without a clash at arms. I assure you that my visit to you is not selfish. It is not to acquire territory or for the aggrandizement of either myself or my country, but it is to do the work that we feel must be done, and which you refuse to do. "'Señor Drew,' answered the Mexican president, "'it has been a pleasure to meet you and discuss the ethics of government, but even were I willing to listen to your proposals, my army and adherents would not, so there is nothing we can do except to finish our argument upon the field of battle.' The interview was therefore fruitless, But Drew felt that he had done his duty, and he prepared for the morrow's conflict with a less heavy heart. End of chapter 50